It's 4 o'clock on a Monday, and you know what that means. It's time for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live. This week, starring special guest star, Mr. Scott Warren. Yeah, baby. Woo! <laughs> Thank you, fake band. Thank you, fake audience. Welcome, real guest. Hey, Michael. How are you doing? <laughs> Good, Scott. Where did you get that? <laughs> I spent hours on a Saturday going from toy store to toy store. And uh, the sexist that they were at Toys R Us, the pink one was cheaper than okay. the blue one. Hopefully, the viewers out there have gotten a chance to see that. Just in case they haven't. There it is. That is the sound of Taxi TV. <laughs> and here's the audience, just in case you're new to the show and you've never seen the fake audience. It's the iCarly sound generator. Oh, no iCarly fans in this crowd. All right, uh, let me get the chat room open so we can say hello to you, ladies and gentlemen. There you are. Hello, everybody. How are you? So... I asked Scott, I've known you for like five years now. I was yeah. thinking about that over the weekend. Yeah, it's, it's been like, about five years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Flew by. Um, you came to us through Kevin Houlihan. I did. Right? Yeah. And Kevin, if you guys remember, was our VP of A&R slash film and TV. I don't know. Uh, I think he was here about two or three years. And he's part of the Houlihan uh, dynasty, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> yeah. Is practically everybody in the family, uh, I think even his pets are music supervisors. So uh, Scott came highly recommended, and uh, we're very, very glad that he's been here because he's, um, how can I say this uh, without diminishing other screeners, but he's our go-to guy. He, he's, uh, in the history of all taxi screeners, he's one of our, like, Hmm. We have a problem. Uh, we're on deadline for something. Who could do that? Scott can. <laughs> so he's, he's bailed us out uh, at night and on weekends and is adept at several genres, which is pretty rare. Um, so we're glad to have you here. Well, it's great. You know, I, I, have, I love coming into Taxi. I love listening to music. I love the idea of helping people um, with things that maybe... Um, Somewhere along the way, someone showed me something that I could do to some of my songs to, to, to elevate them a little bit. And when I hear those things in other people's songs, I said, you know, that's where, that's where I really enjoy it. Yeah. Like, like I can pass along, you know, some info. And, and you are and a songwriter, yeah. I, I should add that. He, yeah. he is a singer-songwriter, a uh, very good one, and uh, has put out several albums. And uh, as I mentioned in the email... Um, he does singer-songwriter. I've got a wrong comma in there, but he does singer-songwriter stuff, uh, rock stuff, indie folk stuff, Americana, pop. And uh, it, I was listening to some of your singer-songwriter stuff from the latest record, um, I think on Thursday or Friday of last uh -huh. week, knowing that I was going to ask you to be on the show. And, cool. And uh, it's funny, your voice doesn't sound like you talk. Oh, really? Which oftentimes, you know, I hear somebody go, oh, that... I would know that's Scott, you know, yeah. but when I was listening to you sing, um, like, I wouldn't know you. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know that that's bad or good or anything. Just, it didn't sound like you sound like you Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. I guess, you know, I guess it, um, I don't know. I, I sing it, whatever, when I sing, it feels natural. And when I talk, yeah. it feels natural. So yeah, you're not, you don't sound like you're trying to be somebody else. <laughs> the stuff I was listening to was fairly gentle. Um, 
maybe a song called Fall in Line. It was kind of like a little bit of a Ryan Adamsy kind of yeah. vibe. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, yeah, I know what you're uh, talking about. And it just didn't sound like you talking, but it was very intimate and... I don't know. Anyway, cool. neither here nor there that much, but uh, interesting. Uh, did he present at the rally last year? He's always at the rally. Um, I did uh, I did the the face-to-face -face critiques at the rally. Ones, yeah. And then uh, the year before I did the, I did that as well. And I did the, op I hosted one of those open mics. Oh, that's right. So how was that? That was awesome. <laughs> I loved it. Um, Scott's a good guy. He never says no to anything we ask him. I would be scared to host an open mic. I, I I don't know why that is. I'm not afraid to get on the stage at the rally, but hosting the open mic seems like it would be scary because even though the crowd is very, very supportive, if somebody gets up there and forgets a line or just freezes or something, that would just right. mortify me. I just kind of attacked it like, I was almost like a game show host a little bit, <laughs> like I like you know in a very serious way. Yeah. I, I you know, but but people would come up to me. A few people said, well, you know, Carl like is legendary. Oh, Carl and, Lewis, and, one of our uh, longtime screeners, who hosts the other open mic. They yeah. said you're not like Carl, and I said, I, I don't know, am I supposed to be? Because <laughs> no, he was not. in the other room, <laughs> and we were kind of running them simultaneously. But um, but yeah, I just kind of wanted to you know like. Uh, the way that I kind of delivered, I just felt like it was, you know, it's kind of like a, a variety show kind of vibe, you know, because you get so many different types of artists in there and people, you know. Um, it's important to them too, because they come from all over yeah. the world and this is their one chance, you know, in a year to play live in LA. And, mm -hmm. and, and I give them a lot of credit, man, getting up there in front of 100, 200 no, fellow I songwriters and artists. It's got to be, that's why it's always scared me out of hosting one is because I think people, I would be mortified to get up in front of the jury of my peers, but the audience is just so supportive. So. Yeah. And, and amazing performances. Um, so much, uh, of a community that I found. Yeah. Like so many people that really like, like when they connect at the road rally, like it's, it's such a cool thing to see. Like, like, um, just all these people from different parts of the country coming together and everyone making music together and, and just have, you know, that to me, the first road rally that I was at was, was eye opening because, you know, we sit, right, you know, in a cubicle, in the, in a cubicle yeah. and, and you know that there's a lot of members because you listen to so many songs that come through. But, um, when you see all the faces and I mean, that really like, you really, I really connected with that. What's your cool. screener number? I, I warned him that's the only thing can't say on the show, and I'm sure that people come up, you know, at the rally and go, "Dude, what's your screener number?" <laughs> um, you know what else I like about this guy is he is representative of the heart of, of the A and R team here. Uh, so many people see you guys as gatekeepers. Mm -hmm. um, I just wrote a thing today on our forum. I said, you know, they're not really gatekeepers. Uh, I think that you guys may see yourselves as gate openers. Mm -hmm. So uh, Scott's very representative of the, uh, he's your champion, not your enemy. I I love nothing more than passing something along. When I hear something that, that hits on all points of the listening criteria, um, it's, it's one of those moments where you're like, yes, because, you know, um, 
how, what's the best way to put this? You know, you there are two sides to to the equation. There's right. the person that that requests the material, and then there's the artist. And you want to make both sides happy. Yeah. Um, oftentimes, easy. you know, you I'll hear a song that might be good, but it just doesn't hit on the points of the listing. So, you know it unfortunately is not a good candidate to for, forward along. Um, so hearing something that just like, just like works yeah. with, with the reference material and all of the, the, you know, the, the other critical information, it just, you know, we, I, I, uh, you know, I don't like to speak for other people, but I know everyone else involved loves to forward stuff along when it's, when it like, when it when it's really on the mark, you yeah. Know? So. Um, but I think you are speaking. I, I've anybody who's ever been a jerk about it doesn't continue to work here. As soon as we get any sense of, yeah, you know, uh, if anybody, I can't actually remember a time when anybody was like happy to inflict pain on a, a, a musician. <laughs> but anybody that would wouldn't work here for right. So, uh, and then in those instances where it doesn't work, you get a chance to to say things like, hey, like maybe the verse, maybe the chorus could have lifted up from the verse more, or there could have been more sectional contrast between your individual parts. It's that point where you can just pass along that 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 little tidbit of information that next time around might, um, you know, when when they're writing their next song, they might think of and, and, and um, you know, might be helpful to just build, um, Build that songwriting skill, you know. Let's talk about sectional contrast for a minute because that that is one of the most basic and yet most overlooked things that I hear in relatively new writers, people who are early in their career, early in their songwriting arc. Um, it's often hard to tell where the the verse ends and the chorus begins, uh, being that you're also a, a singer songwriter. How did you learn to make that transition to to where it became reflexive that you automatically knew, okay, it needs to get bigger now, and how do you make it bigger? Well, it's all about, you know, working dynamically within each part. So, you know, um, for me, for instance, um, you you think about those transition, those those points where you're heading out of verse into chorus, for instance, okay, what am I gonna do? Like I need to build this energy up somehow, most of the time you wanna do that. And you wanna use that as a point to leap off and, and take the song into a new direction. And usually that's something um, that forwardly moves up, which you know has that lift that we always mention in the listings. Um, usually the melody like goes somewhere or if your, you know, if your verse melody has a specific cadence or phrasing, you know, it, it's, it's obvious that your chorus is the chorus, you know, because it, right. it just, sometimes your chorus has more drawn out notes and it's more like epic. Um, let me try to think of a song. Um, uh, nothing's coming to mind now, but but you know what I mean when you like to get to be my age. Yeah, nothing comes to mind <laughs> when it's when it's noticeably um, a scene change. Yeah, you Ooh, know that's a good descriptor. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know having those interesting points throughout your structure 
and thinking not only dynamically throughout of the whole of the song as a whole, but each individual part. You know, what do I want to do here after the the first course? Do I want to completely break it down, or do I want to add some sort of rhythmic beat in the undercurrent to show development from the first verse? So you're so for me, I'm always thinking, okay, what can I do after the songs? written, mm-hmm. how am I going to produce it and how am I going to um, create interesting things at all points? Do you, as you're writing, um, because you've been doing it for a long time and, and you do it well, do you kind of hear production in your head as you're writing or, or do you try and stick to just, uh, you know, uh, chord changes, lyric and melody and and not get hung up on the other stuff, knowing that you'll come back. Is there any for me? Um, I usually when I write, I try to write without thinking about anything other than writing a good song. Now, along the way, I'll think to myself, I usually have write in a few different styles. So I'll think, OK, this is this is the Americana kind of vibe here. So I know that it's probably going to be more earthy and perhaps have some like ethereal kind of elements in the undercurrent, um, feedback, um, little things like that. But I don't, I don't really think about that stuff until, um, you know, I, I know where I am stylistically, but not necessarily where I would go 100%, like, does this need drums? I, ne- I don't think I would get there. I don't think I usually think about that until it's time to start recording. You know, and, and most of the stuff that you, well, I don't know, actually, I don't know this, but what percentage of what you write is for you as an artist versus writing for other artists versus writing for film and TV, which I know you've done? Uh, I would say I know pretty quick if it's if it's my own kind of like art kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then if it's more um, something that I feel would work in a um, in a film and TV scenario. Well, um, sometimes they overlap. Um, I automatically will say, okay, like if, if this is feeling more like a film TV thing, then, then I'm going to have to adjust the way that I write the lyrics, you know, um, meaning and make stay, it more universal, or... stick with a more universal theme. Um, you know, you can get specific to a certain point. Um, but I wouldn't put anything like, Hey, it's 3 AM in the morning, and I'm, right. you know, laying in bed, you know, um, but crafting imagery, imagery that 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 could work in a in a variety of scenarios would be, you know, if if I'm like, okay, this is this is kind of more, um, I guess I would say if I'm writing a song and I'm and I don't feel and I feel I'm I'm capturing the spirit of maybe another artist, mm-hmm. like like um, I was writing the other day and I was like, oh, this kind of feels like something David Grave might do, you know. Um, so immediately I didn't, I'm still in the process of writing that one, but to me, it feels a little more like something I would finish and try to try to work the film TV angle on it. Since it doesn't feel a hundred percent original to my right. like artistic kind of like vision. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, when you hear David Gray raise his hand early in a song, uh, is it hard to, not stick with that you know i mean i remember back in my studio days if if i would hear a guitar vocal demo with an artist i was going to work with a month later in the studio sometimes the minute i heard something sounding a certain way it was tough to shake loose and and hear it 
Um, from, yeah. You know, from a whole other perspective, uh, do you find that as a writer? It or? depends. Like, I remember one time I was writing this rock song, and I spent like an hour on it, and um, and I was I was feeling so good about it. Like, this is a really cool song. And then, like, I just I was like, wait a second, did I just write Gene Genie, <laughs> David Bowie? And it was like so. I listened. I pulled it up, on, and I listened to it, and like it was so close. <laughs> I was like abandoned ship. Like in those cases. Like you, you definitely, like it didn't feel good anymore, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Just <laughs> but, like you needed a shower. Or but something. I feel like, for instance, this like David Gray-esque number that I'm writing now, I feel like it's, it's it has enough of its own identity where it's not, you right. know? So, so I'm still working on it, you know? Um, and I, you know, some songs, I think, like everyone may be watching, like, Sometimes you you work on stuff that you finish pretty quick, and sometimes, you know, it can take a long time. And um, and those those songs that take longer, um, you know, you you just kind of you have to live with it a little bit and see if it's worth, you know, if it if it. I think everything's always worth finishing, but do you want to um, spend a bunch of time recording it? You know, at the yeah. end of the day, you know. Right, unproductive, wasted time. You have to know when to call. Yeah, you have to have that internal right kind of like filter that, um, you know, because we are all so busy, and I know a lot of people have regular jobs too, and yeah. and and you know, you really want to focus on your very best stuff. So, do you ever want to say uh, to a member, uh, "Put this one to bed and move on"? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not saying that in a bad way, you guys. You know, sometimes um, well, euthanasia may be the kindest. You know, when I do customs, people often put in the um, in the thing, should I record this? That's good that they're asking. And it's, and it's tough to say because if you have, I think every song is worth a vocal and acoustic guitar piano demo. Yeah. Um, especially if you have, like, Pro Tools or Logic or something at home that, and a microphone, um, I think everything is worth laying out to evaluate whether or not you should record it yeah. um, or you you should record it. But should you do a full production and, and hire, you know, you know, go into a full studio? That's that's I, that's a tough question um, to answer. And I think a lot of times you have to really trust your gut. Like, is this the one, you know? I think that it's very heartbreaking for me when I know that people go and spend 500 bucks or more hiring players and going to a studio because they don't have a home studio and they end up recording a song that probably should have been put in the, uh, you know, on the shelf for maybe someday we'll go take another look at it yeah. <laughs> versus just flat out euthanizing it. But uh, yeah, it, it's gotta be tough. Uh, it knowing is. that you spent that time, money, and effort, and then in the end, you go, yeah, maybe the song wasn't my best. Um, real quick sidebar, um, I just thought of a song that has been, like, for instance, the new Radiohead record. Yeah. They have a song on that record that's probably 20 years old. Um, it's called True Love Waits, and there's an acoustic version of this song that appeared, a, a live acoustic version that appeared on one of their records a long time ago. But they, they just finally recorded this song and i read in some of the articles that they've tried to record it several times but it just never felt right yeah so it's like one of those things where 
you can, you don't all, you know, maybe the timing just has to be right for a particular song to get recorded, or maybe you need to need that inspiration of, of a lyric change or something that makes it, that takes it to that next level where you feel like, right. Like this is, this can work this time. A collaborative you know? effort. Somebody else in the band added a bridge that made the whole thing. Yeah. Together. So that happened, you know, that stuff happens, I think more often than not. So yeah. that, anyway. that's part of the beauty. You know, even the chat room here, I mean, right now we've got a hundred people in the chat room, 108 people, seven people, <laughs> somebody just left. Uh, these people have gotten to know each other and it's like the road rally. It's like the yeah. taxi forum and, and collaborations happen in there. It makes me happy. Uh, okay. So let's listen. Uh, let's somebody thinks I look like Paul Reiser. <laughs> well, if I, as long as I don't look like Helen Hunt, <laughs> although she's very attractive, but no, I don't look like her, but you know, maybe, I mean, I same, same color hair. He'd wear that jacket. Maybe. Right? Yeah. Um, Okay, so uh, let's listen. I've got a song list here. We're going to listen to four songs throughout today's show, and the first one we're going to check out is called Sweetly Captivating Me. Let's have a listen to this, and this is intended for film and TV. Okay. TV faded. Yeah. All right. Cool song. Lay it on. I like the energy. 
Um, I think back to the sectional contrast thing. Yeah. Great sectional contrast. Um, the singer has a lot of like an interesting delivery. Mm -hmm. um, he's got. Um, I like what he does in the pre-chorus. Like it's 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 not. It doesn't sound like Anthony Kiedis, but it has like a that kind of spirit. You know what I mean? It, yeah. Where it's like he's just kind of like it feels like he's really having a good time with it, and that comes through in the song. Um, I think the the most memorable line of the tune for me, obviously the the payoff is good. The sweetly captivating me is good. Um, never felt this alive though. To me, was like the moment where, like with film and TV in, in mind. That's mm -hmm. like really like meaty, you know? Um, Reminded me of Rick James a little. Yeah, it had it it had a little bit of that retro spirit. Yeah, very, it's like acting, you know what I mean? He, yeah. he was playing a part. The singer was playing like this over the top. He was definitely wearing, you know, a costume when he's yeah. playing as a stage rig. The answer vocal mid-course was great. Sweetly captivating me. Um, I thought that was really cool. Um, my only notes for perhaps um, strengthening would be um, a little bit of, of a development in chorus two from chorus one. Okay. Um, I'm noticing, like, I don't know if you want to maybe try a vocal double on the on the lead to try to make just to show some sort of slight development from the first chorus um to just 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 shows like an evolution of of the production a little bit you know mm -hmm. to add a, a little something doesn't have to be major but it, for someone that's listening really closely like just something to make it maybe just lift it up just a little bit more could it be instrumentally it could well be instrumentally or vocal uh-huh um and then the next thing the breakdown was cool but I would have liked to have felt a little bit more of a of a slow build up into that final chorus. Okay. It felt a little linear to me, but but overall, I enjoyed it. I thought it was cool. I think it could work in a variety of scenarios in terms of you know a fun upbeat movie that has like a scene where they're out at the club or something you know and guys acting cooler than they really are and some guy hitting on a girl. This yeah. would be great for one of those. Um, Actually, it was a, a, a movie that Houlihan souped, that John Houlihan souped, uh, Let's Be Cops. Okay. Uh, I'm sure you've seen it, because we've all seen every movie that John has worked on. Uh, uh, did you see that one, Let's Be Cops? I didn't see it, no. Two guys rent cop outfits to go to a party and then end up and uh, go out pretending they're cops and okay. get a lot of trouble. And there's a scene with a, a couple of uh, ladies in there that this would have worked really well for. Uh, the the intro that was good i was i was misled by it i thought it was going to be one kind of song and then i went oh mm -hmm. to me it was it seemed incongruous although well executed just and perfect to, length yeah um sometimes the intros can be a little long let's talk about that um that's something i think many people might have an issue with um I guess we, we should look at it from a songwriting perspective for film and TV. And uh, I, I'm a big fan of getting right to the red meat with instrumental yeah. stuff where people just start on what would normally probably be a chorus and, and maybe 
a couple of bars of intro. Um, for songs for film and TV, what length would you say bars-wise or I would say four to eight bars tops. Okay. Um, for something where you're send, where it's potentially going to get listened to by a library or a music supervisor, where they've got a lot of material that they're going through. Yeah. If if you're past thirty seconds, you're probably going to get skipped. <laughs> right. They're going to think it's an instrumental. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I would say four to eight bars for sure. All right. Um, that would be my yeah. Okay, works for now, me. Now see. intros can be great if you're if you're you know if you got a cool album track or something or you know you're just having fun whatever but but consider an edit you know yeah um, if you if you're gonna pitch I think I don't even hear long intros on the radio anymore so much but I could be wrong about that I, I forget, uh, Ralph Murphy from uh, was the international guy for ASCAP and. Uh, songwriter, producer, and author does an annual study of uh, commonalities amongst hit songs. I can't remember. Maybe uh, maybe Mojo, who's always in the chat room, will remember. But there's like a, you know, anything over X number of seconds is atypical on intros for radio. All right. Uh, let's listen to one more and then take some questions from the audience. And this one is called Found Me. Okay, and here we go. Is this a film and TV? Uh, good thing you asked because yes, it is. Okay. Thank <laughs> you. 
It's a great tune. Um, the guitar with the, the the thing that I got hooked immediately based upon that great guitar tone. Yeah, um, that's a really well recorded guitar. It's very textural. Yep, um, and it just really like you felt it right away. You know, um, the vocal was awesome. It reminded me a little bit of Edie Brickell. Mm -hmm. um, For those of you who aren't aren't old enough. She's married to Paul Simon and uh, Edie Brickell and the New Bohemians from late 70s, early 80s-ish? Uh, I'm there, thinking maybe? more like 90s. Oh, that's right. 90s. Yeah. Wow. Um, I'm not aware. Of yeah. That. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, when we talked about specific lyrics, okay, so this is film and TV. Yeah. This is, a, this is, this is what I was talking about. Like this you're lying next to me. That kind of specific imagery, I think, is fine for film and TV, because it's not too. There, there's plenty of scenarios that that can happen in. Right. And it does. She didn't sing "Lying Next to Me" on the pink satin sheets. Right. And it did. They wouldn't even have to be laying next to each other for it to work well in a bunch of different applications. Right. So it's an emotional. Um, there's a word for that, but yeah. It, yeah. It says we're close. Totally. Um, without you, I was lost at sea, uh, is a great way to open the chorus. Um, the chorus took off from the verse, which was, which the verse is strong to begin with. So it was just it, all the better for it to, um, you know, to take things to the next emotional level. Um, the beginning of the next verse, there were some great production developments. Mm -hmm. Um, that really like made uh, made it feel um, like a like it like there is development from the first verse. I always like to see you know in my own work and other people's works. I always listen for okay, did they do something kind of interesting in the undercurrent? Did they add some textures? And and uh, Clark does that here, which is great. He gave it momentum. Yeah, you you didn't even have to look for it. It was just there, but it wasn't like ta-da. Mm -hmm. Yep. That was great. Second chorus hit well. Um, my only notes were um, the bridge didn't feel like a, a true departure for me. It felt a little bit like the like kind of an add-on. Like it felt like um, it felt like it could have been a little bit more contrasting from the rest of the song. Um, Would you just take it out altogether or rewrite the the bridge i don't know if i if it needs that um but it was just some just something to at least like like say like it you know i uh, i guess if we went back and listened to it um it just felt a little bit of a cliffhanger like going from from the part from that vocalization you know um I, it's not a deal breaker but it but just to make note, I felt like it, the bridge could have been a little bit more of a departure. You're the one I'm dreaming of. 
vocally heading into I don't know it's just yeah. to me it just felt like um, like it could have been either um, slightly different melodically um, and it was a two-line bridge yeah. that felt like it, it needed to go somewhere and then it repeats that same thing at the yeah. end which I don't know if you felt this way uh, but when I got to the end I think that he could have killed the song sooner and not gone into that repeat of the bridge uh, yeah. outro too long yeah um i felt like it wanted to the song wanted to end yeah and then it kept going um exactly it should have ended on that root note uh like 15 20 seconds earlier yeah but it did the double repeat of i'm so glad you found me but it's such a good song like it's such a good uh melodic song that connects melodically lyrically production that i would totally overlook those things in a if it was on target if you know, uh, for a listing let's talk for about sure. that because people think that like oh my gosh you know um the screener said uh you know that the bridge didn't exactly nail it um so you would forward this given that it was the right attitude the right uh um, totally vibe as we like to say around i here. love saying vibe yeah I mean, <laughs> i've even got that written down in my notes somewhere i want to explain what vibe is because i don't think some people get it and and it it is kind of a catch-all phrase but it does serve a good purpose you know um that's a good a good point a good thing to bring up would be that this song um it would need there would be instances where the song would need to be on target like for instance it's not super indie folk right it has a country spirit to it along with a with an americana spirit mm -hmm. and um there's a, like a new folky thing i i think it could work for some indie folk listings but it just depends upon the reference artist because it's not it doesn't have a super indie kind of sensibility you know mm -hmm. the guitar strings aren't rusty enough in the vocalism and we because we do get a lot you know we do run the indie folk stuff a lot and i'll hear a great song and it'll be well it's just a little bit too it's a little bit too straightforward drawing that line of defining india yeah. is really tough uh, and but, you have to go with the vibe thing you yeah know? did the does the vocal have that kind of like tone um, and, and a lot of times the tone is like i in my personal opinion um slightly disinterested sometimes slightly pitchy but not in like ooh, that's pitchy right but like that's cool pitchy uh -huh. um guitars that sound like they've got acoustic guitars with really thick strings that haven't been changed in forever if it were like a a silkier eagly sound on the acoustic guitar it would make it sound too slick and not indie enough yeah so all it's the confluence of all those things that can make something sound indie totally but i i think i really like this song I think I, I, I shouldn't say anything because then it might give away. 
Oh, your, your screener <laughs> number. <laughs> you know what else I really appreciated about this uh, is the compactness of lyrics. Mm -hmm. uh, some other people may have attacked the same idea, lyric concept or lyric theme by getting way too wordy, but this got right to the essence of what he wants to say. There's not a wasted or extra word in there. Yeah. The phrasing is great. Mm -hmm. You never feel like he's trying to fit too many words into a phrase. Yep. Um, or the singer, she. Um, but speaking of Clark's songwriting. Um, yeah, I think it's... I also want to uh, give a shout out to Clark. Uh, he's one of the unsung heroes of the road rally. When you sit in the ballroom and look up and see the banners every year at the road rally, mm -hmm. Clark spends about three hours while everybody else is out getting smashed at the bar. Um, Clark and uh, Neil McTavish, and up until when she started working here, Bria McTavish, okay. uh, the three of them were like our triumvirate of getting banners ready to hang. So Clark, I love you, dude. He, he, he's just like this really nice, normal, unassuming guy that comes cool. in every year, just walks right into the ballroom and gets to work, and he knows exactly what to do. And, uh, he so knows exactly what to do here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he does. Anyway, good job on that. All right, so let's take some questions from you guys, and I'll, I'll hit Scott up with one of my questions while you guys are coming up with some. And do me a favor, right? question in all caps so that it's easy for me to pick out because they'll go shooting by. Um, most common mistakes you hear amongst members. What might those be? Common mistakes? Um, He's got notes. I brought my notes. No, I think stylistically off target would be common mistake number one. Um, you know, where the song just doesn't, doesn't have any commonality. With the, reference. with the reference material, you know, that's the main one. Um, looking to see if any questions are there yet. Okay, and I think a lot of new members don't understand that the screeners, they think, oh, I'll submit and try and get another screener because this screener doesn't like me. And it really breaks my heart when I see that people think that because it, it it's not whether or not you like them or you like their artistry. It's, mm -hmm. it's your job when you sit down is. Yeah, because our screener number goes on the, it goes through to, you know, who it. Yeah. And if, and if the, the material isn't what they asked for, then they're probably not going to come to Taxi, you know, feel as confident. Yeah. Knowing that they're going to get a concise, direct playlist, you know. Um, so I think about I think about both sides when I'm passing it along. It's like sometimes your heart is like, man, I would really love to forward this song along, but it just doesn't fit because of this and this. I find that a lot of members when you say to them, "Dude, it was so good, but just not right," and they go, "Yeah, I knew that when I sent it in," but yeah. they take the shot anyway. It, 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 Breaks my heart. Uh, okay, whoa, that one just went flying by. Uh, get back up there for a minute. Um, from Mitchter, uh, who's a good artist to listen to to train my ear to hear the indie sound? Uh, well, indie um, indie folk would be bands like Lumineers. That's kind of like Lumineers and um, of Monsters and Men. That's kind of like the indie folk. 
that's those are a lot of the I see those reference artists. They were the breakthrough artists, uh, you know, in, in yeah. the modern indie folk era, um, and they've stuck. M uh, Mumford and Sons uh, have since gone the way of Coldplay. <laughs> so, but their their older stuff is kind of like in that realm. Um, there's an artist named Vance Joy that um, that is. Um, uh, writing his latest record, I, I'm trying to. Str I'm struggling with with uh, recall here, but just go. Just type in his name into um, YouTube, and he's got a hit song that um, the one with the most views. I'm sure that is really kind of in that indie folk spirit, um, but also kind of straddled that straddles that line with regular kind of indie singer songwriter, which I know also confuses the plot a little bit. Um, it just depends, you know, indie goes in, into so many different realms, you know, but usually it's, it's, it's a combination of, um, like you said, the vocal has a little bit more of a less refined kind of vibe yeah. to it. Great way to describe it. Um, and the instrumentation just can be a little bit more eclectic than your standard straightforward singer-songwriter or adult contemporary artist. Where And not know, slickly recorded either. It might yeah. sound like it was coming through the mic of my laptop. Yeah, where you get, where you get a little bit more, like you, you might have a pedal steel on a, on a regular straightforward song instead of, you know, um, instead of a piano or, you know, it's just kind of little, little nuances that kind of give it that kind of spirit, you know? Speaking of Lumineers, I saw they have a special that was on AT&T U-verse, like on the U-verse channel or something that I happened to catch the last half hour of, uh, really, really good. And I actually wrote down on a piece of paper, extra kick drum, because they do this cool little thing on some of their songs where they have a second kick drum on stage that's up there near a vocal mic and mm -hmm. one of the background singers uh, that may just have a harmony line will come up and just play three beats on the kick leading into a oh, chorus yeah. just to say here's the chorus it gives it that oomph that yeah. forward movement yeah and it's probably looser tuned looser um, doesn't have any damping on it and has a whole different sound and you can't really pick it out of a crowd per se in mm -hmm. the mix but and i had the tv up fairly loud and it was you know um, I, I could hear the mix well, but you felt the air move and it just lifted the whole thing up. It was just three stupid little boom, boom, yeah. boom. Yeah. And, and I thought, man, if I ever go back in the studio, I'm stealing that idea. One, one note about indie folk and even the Lumineers um, took this note for their new record, which I listened to um, in the car this weekend, um, is the word, the use of the vocalization, hey. Yeah. <laughs> where everyone goes, hey, yeah. which is hooky, but it, it kind of has jumped the shark a little bit. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yet libraries are, are still asking for it like crazy. Are they still asking yeah, for that vocalization? Not that word in particular, but vocalizations. And, and they, 
I, I find that some libraries, not all, but some libraries are about a year and a half behind the times. It, it takes a while for stuff to kind of bubble up. Yeah. And, and they'll hear something in a movie not realizing, okay, well, the movie came out nine months ago. Therefore, you know, the songs were laid in there 15, 16 months ago. And if you look back, go backwards on the timeline, it's already somewhat dated. But I think in the minds of some library owners, oh, I don't have any of that. That's new to me, yeah. therefore I want some. So we, yeah, we still get listings that will ask for uh, or allow for vocalizations. Okay, and well, I think vocalizations are great, but I would, I would say to steer away from hay at this point. Yeah, <laughs> how about hay? Unless, unless they request it. <laughs> but but uh, that was just a little something that came to mind. Um, Joey Hatcher's asking a question. Uh, sorry, we got a yeah. little backlog there. He says, how many forwards on average do you send for a non-exclusive listing? And nah, I'm not even going to chime in. Take that. It just depends. I mean, it, it all depends. Um, I would say it, it, it's hard to, to come up with a number because you might have a day where you hear a bunch of great stuff that is totally on target and then you might have a day that's that's not i usually would you say it's about five to ten percent is the mm -hmm. forward rate if i had to take a make a gross generalization out of you know years of experience yes i would say five to ten percent there are times that we get 37 submissions and we find ourselves forwarding 11 yeah because it's a very specific niche thing that we need in a hurry and and I would only the people who have that thing would bother to submit. So the the, the forward number might go up because right. there, it, it's one of those genres where don't even bother if you don't have it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But uh, I, I found it funny that Joey said, "What about you know for non-exclusive? That doesn't come into play with you guys as screeners, does it? Where you go, hmm, well, it's a non-exclusive. I so. don't even that word doesn't even really. I just yeah. I focus on on the listing criteria." Um, and the reference artists and then the you know and then obviously the the song itself that the person is submitting you know I think people sometimes overthink it or, or maybe imagine that there's a lot more to it that it is it a fair statement to say that the screeners walk out there sit down and go okay I need to find stuff that sounds like it we always use the phrase would be on a playlist with the references. They're not looking for gotta sound just like that song, but mm -hmm. you know, would it fit? Would it be congruent with those other songs? And is it good? Yeah, exactly. And I, I think people sometimes imagine that the screeners are sitting out there going, wait for it, wait for it. I'm looking for any reason not to forward it, which I don't, I've never seen that. It's a, it's, it's a combination of the gut did it hit me? Did I feel like it, it's it, you know, and does it work with what was requested? Those are the things that I usually go with. Yeah. Um, All right. You scroll down. Ooh, a lot of questions jumping in there. Uh, asking a screener. Uh, let's see. As Pauline once said in the forum post, stylistic memory mimicry is probably the most important skill to nail the listings. A skill that needs developed uh, to be developed, just like songwriting, playing your instrument. Um, so it wasn't really a question; it was more of a comment. Uh, 
sorry, I, I'm now like 82 questions behind you guys. Sorry, they were coming in a little fast and furious there. So I'm going to scroll down to get caught up with you guys. Uh, okay, here's a question from Keyman. Uh, would a track done by a great keyboard slash arranger uh, woo, be frowned upon for a pop R&B if they really sounded like good synths? Tracked in by a... Yeah, it's hard to understand that one. Um, I would say that you need to, you need to sound production-wise similar to the reference material to, to, for it to be in the ballpark. So I don't know, you know, um... I don't really have a great answer for that question. I'm going to interpret the question. I think what this person is asking is if you're a great uh, keyboard arranger for pop and R&B, but this, if they sounded like really good synths. Uh, like so, so if you wrote, if you did the entire production on using synths, um, maybe, I don't know. I thought I would, I say, that, I would say that it probably would need if the reference material had human elements, organic elements in the mix, that you would probably need some of those in the mix for it to sound congruent with with, yeah. with the rest of with the reference material. So. Sometimes it could be as simple as overdubbing a human hi hat, yeah, uh, or throwing in crash cymbals or tom fills, or mm -hmm. yeah, any human element seems to take away from the the synthy midi yeah stuff and my... and it and it enhances dynamics you know um of it makes they're... it feel less less linear you know boy listen to radio today i'd love to have a, a a peak meter on my dashboard in my car just for giggles uh feelings about best sampled acoustic guitar for keyboard players um i don't really know too much about that because um, you play guitar. Yeah. I would say that it would be difficult. Um, to have a keyboard sound like a guitar. Looking for another question. Sorry, guys. I hate to. I know when I watch these things back after the and fact. And then it saying, jumps, so it's kind yeah. of hard to like. <laughs> right. All, all I have to say is not any questions right now, and there'll be 20 of them in a hurry, and I can't see them. Um, what kind of genre is most popular nowadays? That question can. I don't, don't mean to be insulting, but look at the listings. They tell you what genres. Uh, do screeners know when something they've forwarded gets placed? That's a great question. And I'm curious to see. Uh, um, you, unfortunately, usually no. Which is, us as a company, we barely know. Um, now, if I screen on something, um, I'll often check in with Ryan and I'll say, hey, did anything, what happened with that one? Like, did you hear anything back? It's um, amazing how many companies don't tell us. We are slowly but surely yeah. starting to get more that are telling us now, but I always defend them saying their job is pitching, not informing us or other right. companies. And because we're not involved in the in the money chain, 
there's no way, no paperwork yeah. that says, hey, taxi, you're getting a piece of this, therefore you should know that it's been placed. But um, we do, what was, oh, remember, I don't know if you screened on that one or not, but we had a listing for, oh, you didn't, because it, it was the supervisor, I think, actually screened stuff. But we had, I hope I'm not confusing two listing. We just had like eight taxi songs make it into one indie film. Okay. Like a good, legit indie film, not, you know, yeah, a, yeah. a student film that was done for $200, but like a pretty solid indie film. I think and, I did screen on that. And that's pretty unheard of to get eight songs from one entity into yeah. one film. I, I was so proud of our members. But you hear, like I'll hear a song that is just feels so perfect for, for what was requested. And I'll, you know, curiosity, you know, you want to, you, you want to know. Right. Did it make it? Did it make it? But, but more often than not, you don't know. I feel bad. Um, some of the newer members, the more experienced ones probably know this by, at some point during their first year membership, but people that get something forward, it's like the $30,000 commercial thing. And mm -hmm. in their mind, they could just visualize their song being heard by that one decision maker on the receiving end. Mm -hmm. And that's all they focus on. And it's torture for them. And it breaks my heart that they're torturing themselves. But the truth of the matter is that Taxi may be one of six or 15 entities that music is coming mm -hmm. from. Uh, we've had stuff end up in major commercials and, uh, and then the commercial didn't test well and it got killed before it ever yeah. got aired too. So there's always the heartbreak factor. Um, all right, looking for another question. They, they disappear. Adriana says, I'm always curious to know what films my songs get forwarded to, but understand why they can't tell me. Yeah, you'd be surprised with Google, the crazy things people will do. We just had this discussion last Thursday in the office that uh, we've had more taxi members doing crazy things, reaching out to people. Um, and, and I can't blame them. You know, they, they've worked so hard for so long and finally they get something forwarded and they want to know. Where so they, it went. Yeah, or yeah. if they do know, uh, and then they, they pester the library owner, um, and then the library owner calls us and goes, dude, yeah, but it's, we don't want to break any hearts, and I get it, but don't hurt yourself. By following up is different than it used to be. Okay, how, um, how, here's a question. How many steps after the forward until the placement or contract time? That's a, I'm going to let you answer that one from your own experience as somebody who's pitched your own Okay, before. yeah. Um, usually, like, are we talking in just in a general world kind of situation? Or are we talking about taxi kind of? Well, I would say the general world because okay. in the end, taxi is that world once it leaves our Usually, hands. if it's an ad-related thing, they want it right now. You know, mm -hmm. um, Film and TV is another you know, is another animal in and of itself. The TV, obviously TV um, has, if it's a series, it has a specific deadline. So yeah, it's, um, it's weekly. So just thinking back to something I did, um, I, I wrote for a picture for um, a scene in that show, Harry's Law, a couple mm -hmm. years ago. And, um, and it was a process of working with the composers, 
for about a week um, and pitching a few ideas. They came back, they said they liked a specific idea. Um, I finished the song, recorded it. It was, the turnaround time was probably two weeks on it. Um, and then it aired probably um, maybe a month after that. And then you got paid like a year later? I mean, um, other than the same fee. I think I got paid pretty quick. Uh, but the back end? The back end was like a long and winding road, which, you know, you still see, I still see some of that. Right. Um, film stuff, you know, they can be in post on that forever. So, so it just depends upon where they're at in the production. But yeah, we've had cases where people have called and said, we're on the mix stage, something just fell out. And yeah, I need it in two hours. And we've had cases where somebody gave us a list of nine things they needed for the film. And then seven of those evaporated with rewrites and what have you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I think it just depends upon where they're at with their, you know, are you replacing something? Are you writing for the scene itself? Um, there's just so many variables that go into it, you know, that um, it's hard to, to say. But um, if you get if you make an agreement um, and get a contract or what have you, you usually get your upfront pretty quick with um, with a with a production company. How often have you had requests in your career where somebody wants you to write to a scene? Because we don't see a lot of that. Um, I've had a few, um, I did, I, I ended up doing half the score for this movie that came out a couple years ago called, um, Angel Sing based upon, um, just someone saying, Hey, we need, a, we need a song for this particular scene. Do you want to try to come up with something? And I did. And they ended up recutting the movie. Wow, not around your song, but just recut the movie. Yeah, and it, which opened up all these new holes. And they said, uh, do you wanna, do, we like that first one, do you wanna continue to write for the rest of it? And I said, hell yeah. You know? Let me think about that. So, um, so, so, you know, they don't come along super frequently, but, but, they, but it can happen, you know? Just depends upon different relationships and, and, you know, industry, you know, connections and all that good stuff, all that fun business stuff. I watched the timeline on independent filmmakers. This is something that I've never mentioned in five years of doing taxi TV, but I have a list of, I don't know, a dozen indie filmmakers that have run listings with us over the years. And probably every three months or so, I'll go into IMDb or somewhere like that and look to see what else they're working on. And it's usually three to five years till they have another project where they're going to need music because yeah. they've got to get it written, rewritten, rewritten, pitched, funded, shot, posted, all this stuff that has to happen before they're ready for music again. And it's not like they made a movie last year. They're going to make one this year. They're going to make one the next year. Yeah. It's a long time. So you really need to develop many of those contacts versus having two or three and hoping for repeat business. Yeah, absolutely. And stay in touch without being um, obnoxious. obnoxious. <laughs> you're, you're also fortunate. It does 
I've always said you really don't need to be in LA nowadays because of the internet and collaborative stuff, but it doesn't hurt. I mean, you're, you tend to run in circles of... It, it's helped me because, you know, I started off playing in bands and playing around LA and meeting people. Um, but I, I do agree with you that you don't have to, you don't have to live in, in LA to, to be successful. You don't strike me as somebody goes to a lot of like industry parties. I don't. <laughs> I could see you sitting at home in the studio for the I, ridiculous. I prefer to be in the studio for yeah. sure. But you know, sometimes, sometimes you just got to get up, force yourself to get out there. You know. All right. One more question. We're going to listen to a couple more songs. Um, there was something about headphones. Yeah, somebody asked what headphones he used, and I wasn't sure. They didn't specify if it was uh, here. The Sony. Oh, I bring my own headphones every day here. But um, I they're the Sony MDR series. Um, those are like the industry standard, like um, best, cheapest yeah. set of headphones that you can get. Sure. Well, now you get twice as much time to form your opinion. I'm 
sorry about that. We had to listen again from the top. So that was called Infinite, and it is, uh, I've got a note that says it's an artist thing, not necessarily a film TV thing. So it's a pitch to an artist, okay. I would assume. I think the chorus is infectious. It, like, it really, like, at the end of the song, you know what the name of the song is, and you know um, it just, it can, that connected really well. The only thing that I would perhaps say is to vamp a little near the end vocally. She has such a great voice yeah. that I could hear, you know, you know what I mean when I say vamping, just kind of like really kind of loose, let, letting loose and scat like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I could hear some of that to kind of end things just on a little bit of a higher note. Um, one of the lyrics didn't really connect with me um, in the first verse. Um, it's a rare VS person. I don't know. Maybe I'm just. Yeah, I'm thinking VS, like either like uh, diamond color or, or um, uh, cognac. Uh, I think some. Okay, uh, maybe it's I, just over. Maybe I'm just not. It's a reference that we're not. I don't know. I looked at when you showed it to me. But, I went, all, huh? but always, you know, it's always great to just, you know, have something. VS that, equals diamond. Okay, then I'm just. I'm just. Yeah. And he just got married recently, so you think you know all about the diamond thing. <laughs> okay. Um, I like the melodic structure. Yeah. Um, but I, I felt like this first, there, there's a little bit of a, like, I'm not sure if this is supposed to be an extension of the first verse or if this is the pre-chorus, because if it's a pre-chorus, I felt like that could maybe be a little shorter. Mm -hmm. Like so that you can get into that chorus right off the bat. Maybe you do the full on thing the second time around. Um, but to me, it felt like there all the melodies are strong, but it yeah. felt like it just felt like there was a little too much. Um, a little too much going on. I, I was paying attention to the fact that we'd gone off air, so it wasn't concentrating on the song much but now that you mention it it almost felt like a double verse up front yeah and, and because they do that, change you know yeah. um but now in retrospect yeah it was a setup for the chorus but you're right it, it's like twice as as fat as it needs to be um and um back to the point that her vocal is so strong i felt like verse two the beginning of verse two could have been a little bit more of a development over which over her approach in verse one. Um, but it's a, it's a cool song. Um, it definitely, I think has that, um, catchy chorus. Um, what are we learning here? The, he says there is no pre-chorus. So, okay. So this is supposed to be a verse. Yeah, All so of this is supposed to be a verse. Okay. So it's either one really long verse or a double verse. Okay. But then it, then it, it lacks a little bit of cohesion between between these two parts mm -hmm. because these are kind of different melodic kind of approaches. Maybe if they were slightly condensed together, that you would have a slightly you'd get to the chorus a little quicker and make it feel. I'm gonna go back. Make the check. structure feel a little less hard to hard to grasp. You know. I'm going to go back to that section because okay. now I'm dying to hear it. Ooh. 
thinking you're going to have a pre-chorus because there's a turnaround yes. in between like here and here yeah and you're waiting for it to go somewhere else there to set this the chorus up and it doesn't i get yeah. it. it's still it's still catchy but i i just felt like it could have been that there's something that can be condensed in there to my in my that's that what hits my gut first you know that's why um, we got you on the show so you got good guts but it's a, but it's, but it's a, you know, I, I, I like the tune. It's, it, um, I feel like the lyric hook is memorable and it's something that you hear in the genre, you know? Um, so an artist would probably, um, connect with those phrases, you know? Um, it's universal. Um, needs more saxophone. I'm only joking. Cause I know the guy is, who did it. The mix is nice sax. And, and, and it's well produced. I actually really like uh, what was going on with the kick drum and the bass. I thought uh, those were set up really, yeah. really well. All right. Let's listen to, actually, let's do a couple more questions because I wrote a couple down that went flying by. Um, in the, so people are asking questions that aren't really appropriate to ask of a screener. They're more like general business questions. And, and we've got a screener here because you guys asked for it or him, it. Uh, so, uh, screener questions, not so much business questions. Um, and I'm going to take this one and answer it really quickly. Somebody asked, is, is all the screening done in-house or is it done remotely? Uh, I would say probably 70% of it is done in-house now. We've gone through periods where it's been more remote or less remote. Um, we find that the screeners get busier when they're here and have more interaction with the staff when they're here and we really like to have them here so we've been pushing to get everybody back in house with the exception of there are people like uh there was a girl that worked here years ago that did a lot of country and americana if i remember correctly and she moved to australia and then nashville but she'd screened here for five years and really earned our respect so even though she was in australia we're happy to have her screen remote um Another general businessy one, while you guys are coming up with screener-directed questions, uh, are there submissions anonymous? No, they know who you are, and they yeah. know where you live. Yeah, we get a chance to check out bios, those the bio page, which is helpful because you know um, it's nice to see you know um, what where an artist is at if the if the listing requested some sort of following or whatever it might be. Um, you know, um, there have been times when an artist has mistakenly sent an instrumental version for a vocal version, and I'll just go to the artist page, and if it's on the, if they've got it up, the correct one right. uploaded, I'll just listen from there. So that's that works out well. See, but yeah, that's we, going the extra mile. <laughs> that's great. But we do that. Yeah, but we, you know, yeah, we we know we know the artist and the you know. Do you find yourself 
um, being like fans of or championing championing certain members that you get to know them and watch them grow over time and you're like, yeah, he's getting it. Oh, I mean, I always, um, I, lo I like to hear specifically like a custom where someone might make some changes that I've suggested or um, maybe not that I even suggested, just another version, you know, um, where you can hear, you know, that there's there's been some growth and yeah. and so yeah it's always um it's always great to see our members it's funny how over the years it's really morphed into half education half access we're in the beginning taxi maybe it's in the way we packaged ourselves uh ourselves but the education has become a really big factor in what we do here moving people forward yeah and you do you do you see um you see people getting better for sure. Okay. Uh, or here. Uh, Tony Anderson says, I think I missed some of the show. Did anyone hear the screener say the four most important things about screening a song? Did we have that on the list? Uh, the four most, I don't think we have anything about the four most important. Maybe I'm wrong, but. Uh, I can answer it. Yeah, probably. go for it. Um, I, you know, the first thing that I listen for in a song is, is, am I, you know, it, it gets down to, to using, you know, your gut instinct. Like, is this, is this engaging? Is this like capturing my attention? Um, usually it could be like with, um, with uh, Clark's song, that acoustic guitar, I immediately like leaned in because mm -hmm. it like, it was so well recorded and then the vocal was great too so like that's something you know what what is hitting me right now and am i interested like is it is it really like connecting you know um the next thing is the the melody is the melody um is it is it hooky is it um is it developing is there the contrast that we talked about? The lyric hook. What is the lyric hook? Where is, you know, where does it appear in the song? Are there more than one? Um, after the song, do I know what the name of the song is? Um, oh, great stuff. I mean, you know? Yeah. Um, is the production, is the production at the level of the, of the reference material if it says it has to be? Um, that's, that's, I think that's, those are the main things that I listen for it, and is the song on target with the rest of the, with the reference material, you know? You're probably not old enough to remember, I, I'm like twice your age, I think, but, uh, back in my day, the hook was the hook. It was the chorus of the song. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the mid seventies in the studio, it's, we almost threw the verses away to some extent. It was all about the chorus. Nowadays, it, I, I don't know if it's um, that things just move much faster or why things have changed over time, but you need little hooks, little pieces of ear candy placed. Mm -hmm. As soon as the intro comes in, there better be something attention getting to make you go. Oh, it's like almost that. like a, a rope. You need to keep your yeah. listener on the line throughout with, with doing little things that, that they might not even realize that you're doing, but you are doing to further the production and, and to 
keep them hooked. It, it could be something as what the right something as simple as what the right hand is doing on an acoustic guitar. You know how rhythmic is it to um, a little vocalization to three notes on a keyboard that are yeah. played in counterpoint and any of those things and totally. it all, all adds up. Um, Question, I submit a co-write with a female singer who's obviously not me and a non-taxi member. Does that spoil my chances of a forward? I don't think so, right? I think you can. <laughs> I can't think of a reason why it was. Isn't no. the taxi thing, like as long as you're a co-writer on the song, you yeah. can pitch it? I don't care if you got Santa Claus singing the vocal well, line. Well, let's go back to Clark's song. That wasn't Clark singing, right? <laughs> not unless Clark's <laughs> voice changed a lot since last November. No, definitely not. No, it, it, it has no bearing whatsoever. Um, okay, many new pop songs are very adult contemporary. Sam Smith, uh, John Legend, but get returned. For being more mm. adult contemporary than pop. But hybrids are very much now. It, uh, just, it depends upon the reference material. Um, a lot of adult contemporary stuff still um, that we listen to still had, can't still has a little bit production wise can can go toward that classic territory where the, you hear the chimes and the stuff you know you yeah know what i mean so i feel like that adult contemporary it's it's hard to it is there are gray areas for sure um but you just like it's what i do is i i you know you focus on the production you focus on the reference material and you know depending upon those factors, the listing criteria, you, you know, will determine whether or not you feel it's a good fit to pass along. And we have to work really hard on the references. And sometimes uh, music libraries are, are fairly notorious for doing this, where uh, we'll get a call from somebody library and they'll give us one reference and they'll give a genre and the reference are not even close to each other. Yeah. And we have to figure out, do you want the genre or do you want the reference? Mm -hmm. So it's going to require a follow-up call. And then once we know, then we'll develop a couple of other references. But then we worry, are we too close for you guys? Because all three references are very, very similar, but they're looking for kind of a broad spread. We don't want to send you down a rabbit hole that's the wrong hole, nor do we want to send the screener down the wrong rabbit hole. So it takes a lot of work to generate a listing, and there's we've learned over the years there no such thing as perfection yeah um we can only work hard and do the best we can but the, it's art and uh you know I, I don't know if you know even know this but i see every listing before it goes out it comes to me it's the last set of eyes on it mm -hmm. and i read them and try to imagine myself sitting in in a screener's chair would the screener know what this is about? Will they have the right interpretation and will the member? Right. And uh, it's hard for the guys who write the listings to get that right every time because they do a lot of them. And they have to come up with fresh references and fresh yeah. ways of saying things. So they've got a really, really tough job down there. It's not an easy job. No, there, sure. there's nothing at Taxi that's easy. Um, one more question. Good question, Michael. One screener may not hear a good song, and another screener may think it's great. 
You know, I just dealt with somebody on the forum today that had a similar kind of question. It's like, you know, if a screener doesn't like my song, uh, and I, I hate that they even phrase it like that. If a screener doesn't like my song, it's more about it being a good fit or not. In many cases, it's not like, ooh, that's terrible. I'm not going to forward it. Right. They wanted to know if the other screeners know what you think of a song. No. So it's, you're always operating in like your own little you know, blind world, right? I think, um, I think we all have a great rapport out there. But when it comes down to um, getting to work and, and doing our critiques and stuff, it's fairly, you're focused on that moment. And, yeah. and you, don't, you don't say, hey, come and listen to this song. Um, there have been moments when um, a song has been so on the mark that I say, you got to hear this song. Right. This is great. Um, but if it's not, if it misses the mark, usually, no, I mean, not usually, if it misses the mark, you're not going to, it's not something that you make a point of bringing to everyone's attention. Ripping your head, headphones off and go, hey, all you other screeners, I just heard song, you know, XYZ yeah. by ABC and it's terrible. Make sure you never forward it. I think people think that that stuff goes on. But I, I do have, I have seen screeners jump up and go, Dude, you have to listen to this yeah. because something is so good. Yeah, I think I think the 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 takeaway um, that I would want everyone to um, have is that we are pulling for our, the members. We want we want to yeah. pass along stuff. Um, but that said, like I said before, there's that delicate balance because you want to pass along the right stuff so that the person that requests it continues to ask for it. Yep. Um, continues to to use use us as a source for um, for getting great music, you know. Um, so yeah, one more song. Uh, I can't believe it's five thirty already. That flew by. Uh, okay, and this one, where's my sheet? This one is called "Fading Out in Front of Me," and this is a film TV style song. Just like the sun didn't care if the sky was blue And the moon turned a blind eye too And you and the truth I watched it all Fading out in front of me Watched our love in front of me as the secretive waves broke upon the shore. The summer days became cold once more, and nothing was like before. I watched it all. In front of me, I watched our love in front of me.
Lovely. Um, I think the vocal is just amazing, right? Doesn't get much more intimate, warm, and lovable than that. Yeah. Well, I was immediately drawn into the song. Um, the the fading with the layered vocal um, really like that melody that with um, combined with the production like hit on all cylinders for yeah. me like it really like it, it was almost like the song was blooming you know mm -hmm. um that was really nice good descriptor um i felt like the second chorus um that this that slight development is what i was talking about before there's a little like i don't know if it's a lap steel or whatever it is but it but that combined with some um high range vocal harmonies mm -hmm. really like made made a textural difference from chorus one to chorus two yeah it was only like me, a five percent increase but you felt it but more you than felt you heard it. it yeah yeah it's those little things like that 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 gradually elevate the song so that at the end of the song you're you've developed you know you've taken the emotion to higher ground basically mm -hmm. um i felt like the the instrumental break felt a little too big for the song in my opinion i felt like the drums were a little too a little too bombastic with with in relation to um the emotional tone of the melody vocal and um what was happening beforehand that along with the outro the drum it just felt a little too big for me um you know in a film and tv kind of scenario yeah. i could hear that working in a really delicate scenario um to me when it went to that big area i kind of like it kind of took made it more it just made it turned into a big kind of about like power ballad kind of thing which isn't a bad thing but i feel like if it if it kept that really delicate emotion throughout 
it might better suit a singular scene a whole scene yeah yeah um i get funny that you mentioned that because when i heard the drums i thought to myself wow if i were the supervisor or the editor on that i might take that do boom boom and start right there but it would and i remember thinking but that would change the whole nature of the scene and how i would use the song yeah but that that's just how it hit me it's 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 fine the way it is mm -hmm. um but that's just the what what it made me feel it felt like something um there i can tell gary likes the beatles because um we all like i mean we all love the beatles yeah. because that bridge had a very kind of beatley kind of like sergeant pepper's album vibe where it's just like it just it was really well done and and tasteful um i thought i think it's a really nice tune and and um and all of the arrangement or the the, the performances are great. Um, I could easily see that working in in a film and TV related. So I'm scenario. not sure if this is, or it's not the guy who wrote it, but somebody uh, wants to know, Scott Michael, would that prevent a forward? Um, if the scene required something that, if it said nothing bombastic or big, it needs to be it needs to be um, De delicate, delicate, and more. Um, it wouldn't distract a scene. Mm -hmm. You know, those words come up a lot. Like to me, if if you're dealing with two characters that are in an intimate scene, like it just depends. Like the big the big drum thing could work if you are like leaping off into some you know some other territory. But to for one singular focus thing, to me, if it stayed more if it stayed more down and um, we, we may forward it anyway knowing that this is good enough yeah. that no supervisor is going to go what the hell were you idiots thinking yeah. and, and, and then the supervisor is going to play it against picture to see if the bombastic drum part yeah enhances or detracts right i would say that this song is strong enough um that you would that those that the strength would override mm -hmm. that part to me so i think that's it's lovely. I think that, is it a fair statement to say that we almost always will default or fall off the fence in favor of the member as long, if we hear something special about something, yeah. this is really cool and it's in the ballpark of what they want, but it's got a negative or two. Isn't it a fair statement yeah. to say that we'll fall off the fence in favor of the men member knowing that the overall quality is so good that nobody's going to go, Geez, taxi guys, what were you thinking? I, I agree with you. It, I think I think the the song always if if the if the um, quality is is there um, that we always fall on the side of the the um, the member for sure. Yeah, especially like I like to impress industry people. <laughs> I'm yeah, not, I'm not. Uh, gonna hide that fact and they would be impressed if they heard that even if they couldn't use it because of the drums they would think all right taxi is a viable credible resource that i should yeah. reach out to on a regular basis totally and again i don't want to say that that's the that drum part was the wrong thing to do but for me it felt like it needed to stay with film and tv in mind it felt like it wanted to be more more delicate delicate you know yeah who was the vocalist on that? I'm, I'm dying to know. Is it anybody who's part of our world? As long as Gary has outed himself. 
I hope we're still on the air. I don't see anything moving over there. Are we off? No, we're, the, my little meter is saying we're still on. Let me double check my buttons. Uh, done song. No, we're still good. But we should be off because we're an hour and 43 minutes. Uh, okay. She's got a great voice. Tanya Walker. A non-member. Wow, yeah. Send her uh, congrats from both of us. All right. So, you know, can you come back? I've got to check my schedule, but could you do this again next week? Because I was actually a little disappointed. There was so much There was so much banter, and I should have said something in advance. It's not that often that they get a screener that they, whose brain they can pick. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the banter made it hard to see the questions. And a lot of the questions we got were general industry questions, not gotcha. some of the... We have a screener here, one of our very best in the company's history. So I would love you guys to, you know, ask him more screener specific stuff. So let's check our schedules and yeah. see if we can come back and do it again together next week. And next week, I'm going to have you guys send Bria the questions in advance of the show. Because I feel like this is such a great opportunity to ask somebody who's a champion for you guys and is one of you guys in many ways. So... With that, I want to say uh, thank you to the audience and thank you, Scott. Absolutely. Uh, it was fun having you here. Great. And I hope we can do it again next yeah, week. And I'm, uh, I'm around. All right. Me too. <laughs> so I hope you guys will be as well. Thank you, guys. See you Take next care. week for another exciting episode of Taxi TV. Bye, you guys.